everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 18th, 2013. Today's topic is five steps to improve your voice of the customer program. Now, if you're listening live, we'd invite you to be a part of the show and ask some questions. And it's real easy. Here's how you can do it. You can either email me at brian, B-R-I-A-N, at benchmarkportal.com, or if you're listening on the phone or close to one and actually want to ask a question live, you can call in to 347-857-3117. Just to make sure you had that, it was 347 857 3117. Make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know that you have a question and I'll get you in. I do want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time that's good for you at benchmarkportal.com. So now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is five steps to improve your voice of the customer program. And as we all know, setting up a good VOC program is a key part of what we do. But the components really have to be good. Uh, the survey construction, survey methodology, fielding, reporting. And then, you know, the key thing is what do you do with all that wonderful information? And so we're really happy to be exploring this today, and I'll be doing that with Dee Buell, my colleague, and the content manager for Call Talk. How are you doing today, Dee? Very good. Thank you, Bruce. Good, good. The weather is good there in Ohio? Absolutely. Fall is about to be on us. Okay, good. Very good. Well, we, we've brought in someone who's really passionate about this topic uh, for all of our listeners, and that's Steve Ellis. Uh, Steve is the Senior Director of Customer Care for IMED Vision Care, and he's responsible for customer service supporting IMED's 35 million members with vision benefits. Uh, Steve has over two decades of leadership with a proven track record uh, delivering outstanding results at Sprint, Florida Power and Light, and Comcast Cable, as well as IMED. Uh, he has experience in marketing, sales, customer service, call center, strategic planning, and general management leadership positions. And this means really that Steve has a view of this topic, this uh, the voice of the customer program topic, which uh, is really multi-sided, multi-dimensional, and we'll, we'll get a sense for that as we go through the program with him. Uh, his customer care team at IMED has been recognized for four consecutive years as a Benchmark Portal Certified Center of Excellence, and for the past three years as a top 100 center. So really a very highly accomplished, uh, very well-run organization. Steve is a graduate uh, from Ohio University, and he lives with his family in Cincinnati. So it's my pleasure to welcome Steve Ellis. How are you doing, Steve? Bruce, I'm doing outstanding. And yourself? I'm doing great, doing great today. Just really happy to have you on and, and talking about this topic. Uh, but first, before we get into that, can you just tell us uh, how you first became involved with call centers and, and why you're so passionate about customer service? Absolutely. I was hired by Sprint right out of college into their management development program, and my very first assignment was to work in a call center and actually went through customer service representative training and spent several weeks on the phone taking calls from customers. And what I've learned is the CSR role, the, the agent role in most companies, is the most challenging position in the company. But the job can also be very rewarding because we're in the business of serving our customers. And when we do a great job serving our customers, our customers 
let us know, and we get the self-satisfaction of providing great service for our customers as well. Right. Yeah, no, really, uh, you started uh, where every, all of us should start, which is, uh, you know, actually dealing with the customers in the customer contact uh, center. And, uh, you know, the, the front line is really where it's at. It doesn't matter how great your CEO is. Uh, you need to have a wonderful front line of, of people who are actually representing the voice, really they're the voice of your company. So VOC can be voice of the company, and those are all the agents, as well as the voice of the customer, which we're talking about here. So, uh, yeah, and, and customer service is certainly an immediate feedback kind of job. There's the informal, unstructured feedback at the end of each call that uh, the agent feels. And then there's the formalized uh, voice of the customer process that captures uh, customer input on a more structured basis so that it can actually be utilized uh, in statistics as well as in uh, improvement initiatives and all that kind of stuff. So, so Steve, I know that IMED has a really robust and effective voice of the customer program, uh, but for our listeners, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, how do you get started with an effective voice of the customer program if, if you don't have one now? And what would you say are the fundamental building blocks for an effective program? Well, you've got to be passionate about delivering great service for your customers first because most companies survive and thrive by delivering great service for their customers. So that, that's got to be a core value that uh, that you have as a company. That's something we have here at IMED. We've got a very effective voice of the customer program, and it started by us partnering with our marketing team to ensure that we know three key foundational items as we design our voice of the customer program. And they're really not rocket science. The first one is, what do our customers need? The second one is, how are we doing against these customer needs? And then the third thing we, we'd love to look at is how do we stack up against the competition? So it's really simple. You need to ask our customers what they value. You need to prioritize those needs based upon what the customer says are most valuable. And then you need a process to gather this feedback more formally. And uh, for us, we utilize a third party, and mm-hmm. we call about 1,000 customers a month, every month, uh, about 500 of our members people like you and me using their vision benefits, and about 500 of our eye doctors or providers that serve those members. Uh, we, we make these follow-up live agent calls uh, through the th- uh, third party within two days of the customer's contact with us. We have about 10 questions in the survey. Most of the questions um, are on a one-to-five point scale, and then we do have some open-ended questions that uh, give us the opportunity to explore richer feedback from our customers so that we really are in tune with the voice of our customer. Okay, and uh, I imagine you've done a lot of testing on that over the years as well with regard to the 10 questions. And uh, do you feel that uh, 10 questions is about the breaking point in terms of uh, utility and also making sure that people actually complete the survey? We, we do. Um, we, we'd prefer a little shorter survey, to be honest, but we, we want a richness of, uh, of information. And some of the questions are conditional as well. That is, uh, if they answer a certain way on a certain question, we may probe a little deeper to make sure that we understand the voice of the customer. But we find that, that um, that's really a, a, about at the limit of the length of a call that our customers will, uh, will tolerate for a survey call. Right. And, and of course, if you have a situation where you actually have a live person on the phone, which you do uh, taking these surveys, then there's a little more engagement on the part of the, uh, the person taking the survey, a little less impersonal than a, uh, an IVR survey, which many people use, use very successfully, by the way, I should add. 
Um, but uh, and also with regard to the open-ended question, there can be a little more probing that goes on instead of a, uh, a simply a question that says, uh, you know, please tell us what you think we could have done better, and then uh, just have it recorded, right? So you have an, an ability for a little more interaction if if uh, if you choose. Yeah, the, Bruce, it, we find it really helpful. It's great to have the statistic validity that comes with a precise survey methodology that we can uh, look at over time and and measure key trends on quantitative metrics. But it's also great to have the qualitative feedback from our customers as well. It helps us drive a continual improvement in our business. And frankly, we use it as a great way to give uh, very positive customer-oriented feedback with our associates. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Maybe a little later we could also talk about how that can be shared with the rest of the organization as well. But uh, before we get there, I know that you've developed in a, this effective five-step process for your Voice of the Customer program, which you're very kindly sharing with us. Could, could you give us those five steps and uh, explain them for us? Sure. The five key steps are, first, follow-up and trend red alerts. And we'll get to more details around that in a little bit here. The second is reinforcing service excellence. We get a lot of great feedback. Let's make sure that we share that feedback in an effective way. The third is we need to link our Voice of the Customer program to our quality assurance programs. Many centers have pretty elaborate quality service programs, some of which uh, maybe are not aligned with the Voice of the Customer. It's important to have those directly aligned. The fourth is we want to segment our agent performance. And the the fifth, and maybe, maybe the most important, is really taking action on insights from your customers. Wow. Okay. That that is a great list. A uh, great list of uh, key steps. So, l- let's talk about the red alerts. Uh, how do you obtain a, a red alert, and then what do you do with them? Well, it's really pretty simple. There's two types of red. Um, what we call red alerts. Uh, we have non-resolution alerts and what we call SOS alerts. So, a non-resolution alert is simply we asked we asked a the last question we asked is was a, was the issue resolved. Has your issue mm-hmm. been resolved? If the customer tells us it wasn't resolved, uh, then we ask uh, for information about um, what wasn't resolved, and we ask the customer uh, in the survey, would they like us to follow up with them? Would they, would they like somebody from IMED to follow up with them? If the customer says yes, we will uh, follow up directly with the customer. An SOS alert is, I'm still having a problem, and I need some help right now. So those uh, the, those get immediate um uh, feedback. So we get clear visibility via an email to our management team for all of these alerts, and we we conduct uh, detailed root cause analysis on the alerts, and then we, we follow up with the customer and ensure their satisfaction. And then we track and trend those issues so that we understand it's great feedback from our customers. When we see when we have a failure, we need to mm-hmm. know those kinds of failures so that we can uh, resolve them and drive continuous improvement in our business. No, those are great, great inputs. And uh, it does remind me of a situation that we saw sometime in the past, uh, which was for an email center. So this was a center that uh, didn't take telephone calls. It was totally email. They were uh, basically didn't change their methodology for email satisfaction. Uh, and so they were actually sending out um, surveys to people who had sent in email questions or problems and hadn't uh, let the time go by yet for the resolution to come through. It was coming through, but they were actually sending out uh, a third party that they had hired was sending out these um, surveys before the company could actually get the answer to the customer. And the result was (laughs) 
That must be frustrating. Like that, yes, yes, yeah. very frustrating. So as a result, no, you know, I, I haven't had my situation resolved yet. And uh, so we pointed that out to them. They corrected it, and all of a sudden their satisfaction scores got much better. <laughs> very curious thing. So, in fact, from then on, uh, the first question was, has your situation been resolved? And if not, then uh, it went to uh, someone who did a recoup and, you know, checked out where things stood rather than uh, bringing them through a whole uh, survey that uh, they were obviously not going to be giving good answers on. So uh, yeah, great input. I, I, I like that very much. And now you were talking also about reinforcing service excellence. That was what I had down here is the number two thing you mentioned. Um, why is this important and how do you do it? Well, positive reinforcement is so powerful when it's done right. It reinforces the right behaviors. It helps the agent stay focused on the behaviors that produce very satisfied customers. And so we have a variety of means to do this, but we, first of all, we think that this uh, positive reinforcement is so powerful that our people love it. And uh, we, we take every opportunity we can to find ways to be able to positively reinforce our people doing the right things. So we have uh, in our centers here, we have something called a wall of fame where we actually, we actually post on our wall of fame uh, testimonials directly from the voice of our customers uh, about our agents delivering outstanding service. We also take, um, we get emails as well um, when we have uh, very positive feedback from our customers on these surveys, and we share those with our all of our associates. And uh, in a monthly meeting, and uh, our recognition, we recognize our agents. We actually have our agents uh, take turns reading customer verbatims about our great service delivered by our agents. Uh, we still do some of the things the old-fashioned way, though, too. Our, our reps like handwritten notes, uh, pats on the backs, and, and other kinds of uh, recognition that we do with our associates on a regular basis. This positive reinforcement is very powerful, and it helps really reinforce uh, the steps that, that our agents take that delivers great service for our customers. Mm. Well, Steve, you know, as you're, as you're talking about that, I know in all the call centers typically you have the quality team that's monitoring the calls and monitoring the outcome of those calls. You mentioned earlier that you are linking your voice of the customer program back to the quality program. So can you share with our listeners how you've done that at IMED? Absolutely, Dee. We, we, do, uh, we do a fair amount of uh, live observation of our agents, side-by-side -side observations and remote observations of agents. And we have some nice quality tools now where we can look at both the voice of the customer and the agent and also the screens that our agents are using when they're interacting with our customers. But what we found is that we had a, uh, what I would describe as a largely internally focused and generally fairly subjective view about the quality and how we evaluated quality. And uh, we decided that we would really align our voice of the customer program with our quality program. So we really revised our quality program to measure what our customers say is most important and measure it in a way that's consistent with, with how our customers evaluate our service. So to give you an example, in many quality internal quality assurance programs measure things like the greeting, and they'll, they'll assign points to a greeting and they'll assign points to the close. Well, you know, those things, uh, you know, it's certainly important to have a professional and uh, appropriate rapport and start to a call and a, an appropriate wrap-up on a call. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but in terms of the customer's perspective, 
they're not important. The customer wants to know that you're treating them like a valued customer. They want to know that you've uh, you've understood their concerns, and they want to know that you've worked hard to resolve their concerns. Those are the things that our customers value. So those are the things that we measure now in our internal QA program. Now, there's certainly internal things that we know have to happen uh, that maybe a, a customer wouldn't know. So we've actually segregated our internal QA between what we would call compliance issues. Well, things like for us, we're in the healthcare industry, and there's something called HIPAA, where we can't share personal health information with uh, people outside of um, the individual customer. So we have to comply with those those kinds of things. That's something our customers might not know or understand. So we measure that on our internal compliance metrics. But when we're looking at how was the customer served on the call, those measures and what we measure are the exact same things that we measure in our uh, external-driven voice of the customer program. Okay. Well, you know, um, the fourth point that you brought out, too, is how you actually segment agent performance. And we all know agents play such a critical role in meeting the customer needs, hearing their needs, and so forth. But why is this so important, and how do you segment that agent performance in your center? Well, it is important. You know, all people may be... um, have the same rights, but they might not have the same skills. They might not have the same background and experiences. And what we find find is that there are agents that are better at delivering great service for our customers than others. And we, by really segmenting our uh, agent population and the performance around how they're delivering service for our customers, we can figure out what are the behaviors that those agents that deliver the best service for our customers, what are those behaviors and how do we replicate those then across the rest of the organization? We also take those top performers in terms of the uh, voice of the customer or what our customers say are the delivering the best service, and we uh, we have those agents serve as mentors, and they uh, they really can help mentor other agents to help improve their performance. Okay. You know, I think uh, with regard to that last point, uh, it's so important to have good mentorship in call centers. We see that all the time. And uh, supervisors who I prefer to call agent advocates, you know, these should be people Mm -hmm. who are as passionate about uh, really good customer service and who also have uh, some sort of incentive, hopefully, to uh, mentor their uh, people really well can make a huge difference. And uh, oftentimes... There are these good role models in the call center. People know who they are, but they really aren't leveraged the way you are doing it in your call center. So, you know, I applaud you for that. And um, uh, I have also seen situations where people have recorded calls and uh, utilized those for the mentorship process. So, in other words, uh, you're going through a quality review and you say, okay, here's, uh, uh, here's what we mean when we say, uh, good quality or good closure or something like that. Uh, this is a call that went very well. And, uh, by the way, we happen to have a um, uh, survey that was done by our survey tool, and uh, it shows that the customer was very happy with it, too. At yeah, that we, point, you've got – go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but we, we do actually store within our quality program when we do, when we observe calls and, and evaluate the calls, we actually have created a folder or file that we call uh, Call of Fame. 
And mm-hmm. when we hear those great calls, we put those calls in the Call of Fame. Of course, we share them with the agents and tell them uh, we really appreciate the great service they they delivered on the call. But we use those as a training, uh, use those in training when we're training our agents on how to handle calls, and we show them here's how here's how a great call goes. So that's that's very powerful for us. Mm. Oh, I love that too, Call of Fame. I, I think you should uh, trademark that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I think uh, there's one thing that the people, a lot of people on this call, uh, on this show, will take away is is the call of fame. Really utilizing, leveraging those really good pearls, uh, making a string of them, and using them for uh, mentoring and, and and coaching others. I think is is just very important and a great idea in the call center. So thanks for that. And the fifth point that you mentioned was that um, your voice of the company, uh, voice of the customer program needs to take action on the customer insights that you've actually gleaned from the feedback that they've given you. So can you tell us more about uh, capturing the insights and then taking action on those customer insights? Well, you talked before about the importance of having a using some discipline around the art and science of collecting the voice of the customer. So we do, we do measure um, our our customer satisfaction against a variety of key things. So we look at different call types, for example. And when we when we can track and trend performance and we can see if we're struggling in a certain call type, we can do a deep dive on that type of call. And then we really look for understanding what's the customer expectation, understanding where the gap is in our performance, and then we can focus on improving the process. How do we make the process better? So I'll, I'll give you a give you an example. So sometimes um, we were getting calls, and this is a few years ago, but we were getting calls from customers uh, about a claim. And the customers' um, claims were being denied because they sent in the wrong claim form. And we sent them a letter to tell them, you sent the wrong claim form in. Well, you know, when we dug deeper on this issue and actually involved our agents, who are always the best source of information about how do we improve service for our customers, our agents said, why don't we just send them the right claim form with that um, claim denial letter and just say, we got your claim, but it was on the wrong form. Here's the right form. If you can fill it out and send it back in, we'd be glad to process your claim. That That's an example of a process improvement. And, and those kinds of things come as a result of really understanding your data, understanding what is the voice of the customer, what are the process improvement opportunities. So earlier on, you asked about how do we enroll other departments, and this is a key area as well. The the voice of the customer is so valuable, and we in the customer care business really have an obligation to the rest of the organization to bring that voice of the customer uh, into the conversation within the company. So having conversations with the marketing team or the sales team or our claims team or other operations areas, uh, and actually having data around our customers' Uh, pain points in particular will really drive improvements in the business. And that's been very effective for us. So really sharing our customer, uh, voice of the customer results with other departments in a way that is easy for them to understand uh, and is action-oriented around improving the customer experience is very powerful. You know, getting people on board, too, can be made easier by showing uh, results, uh, sometimes in dollars and cents and also in customer satisfaction. So you mentioned, for instance, the uh, claim processing improvement that you made. And uh, I imagine that had a measurable impact in terms of reduction of additional calls, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. The more, I think a great fallacy, some people get caught up in, do you want great service? Or do you want cost-effective service? Well, the truth is we can do both. Right. And really great service can cost less, should cost less, because it's less pain points for our customers, less reasons for our customers to call, because we've anticipated and resolved customers' issues before they had to call us. Right. Right. So just for uh, people in the listening audience, you know, if you have a situation like Steve uh, just described and you can make that kind of process improvement, then for heaven's sakes, get out the pens and uh, the, the spreadsheets and say, okay, this is our cost per call. Uh, this is the number of calls that were deflected or avoided because of the fact that we made this process improvement. Uh, do the math and then show your senior managers with a big smile on your face because you have really added value to your enterprise when you do that sort of thing. So, uh, Steve, that's uh, a great example and uh, glad that you brought up that you can have both the improvement uh, to customer service and the reduction in costs. And, uh, and really, everybody's a winner in those kinds of situations. So, that's great. Um, I, we're actually getting toward the end of the hour, and I know we've got some questions, so I'd like to hand it over to... Uh, to uh, Brian and uh, see about a couple questions. Yeah, you bet. I've got one from Kim, and Kim asks to Steve, uh, you mentioned changing your QA process, but how often do you change the QA process, and how do the agents react to the type of change? I would say change with caution. So, you know, we, we look at our QA programs, and in the past we've we've been guilty of making lots of tweaks to the QA program, and, and you should reevaluate your internal quality assurance processes and what you measure and how you measure those things. But know this, that those things are very important to your agents. Your agents really care about how well they perform. They want to do a great job. And the, the quality assurance program should be one, but an important part of evaluation of agent performance. So I would say try to be very disciplined about changing your quality uh, performance standards. Now, that that is not to say that you shouldn't tweak the, uh, your standards, but I'm just saying that you should be cautious about that. I would recommend uh, limiting significant changes to uh, maybe once or twice a year. Um, certainly, minor tweaks based upon rep input can be made more frequently, but try to stay focused on what customers really value the most and make sure that's what you're measuring so you're measuring things that will drive the customer experience. Very good. Okay. Did you want to comment, Bruce? Yeah, no, I think that uh, those are great points. And uh, these are things that, uh, you know, Dee and I have talked about on many occasions when we're talking about uh, customer service and uh, the voice of the customer. So, no, I just uh, agree with what, uh, what, what uh, Steve said. You know, I would point out one more thing, and I know Steve and I share this um, as as a, a way of looking at your monitoring form. Make sure that the points that you assign to those things that really make a difference to your customer has enough points to really change behavior because that's how you get a win-win out of the whole QA process. Absolutely. Great. Yep. All right. Needs Thanks, to be everybody. critical mass. Yeah, that, that's a, a real good question. Kim, thank you for that question and some uh, great feedback from all three of you. Uh, I've got one more question we can uh, sneak in here. This one comes from Paul, and Paul asks, you mentioned tracking and trending results. Do you use some sort of technology to track the results, or are you doing this manually? 
Well, fortunately, we've moved beyond uh, just spreadsheets and and uh, manual tracking on this. So our we we have a, a third-party vendor that does our voice of the customer program, and they provide us with online access to uh, real-time reports, and it's in an uh, in a database that we can query and slice and dice many different ways. So we can look at it by call type, by site, by work group, by agent, uh, even within uh, time periods and time frames. So we can filter the results in a, in a lot of different ways. Now we have formal monthly reporting and quarterly business reviews that understand our performance from a customer's perspective over the longer term. And we can de and develop key initiatives to drive improvements in our operations and our customers' experiences. Uh, but we have, um, I think a, a caution would be it's great to have this online access and real-time uh, performance results. I would say don't don't start chasing uh, daily trends. That that could be a challenge. Certainly, uh, you can uh, make sure that you're following up with your customers that have open issues and and doing the root cause analysis on those. But uh, for us, the uh, the monthly and quarterly uh, benchmarks around results is uh, very effective. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we've uh, gotten to the bottom of the hour, so I'm afraid we're going to have to close up. I don't want to, Steve, because really there's so many more uh, questions to ask and so many more things to discuss. But I'd really like to uh, thank Steve and thank Dee and all of our listeners. Uh, really, there were great insights and uh, great tips that uh, people who are listening to this call can hopefully uh, utilize immediately. And uh, that's what we like to do is to try to give people very practical insights that can be turned into best practices for their own centers. Uh, I'm going to remember that call of fame. I think <laughs> I like that very much. So uh, with that, uh, thank you, Steve. Bruce and Dee and Brian, thank you. I know Benchmark Portal, you guys are passionate about the customers just like we are, and I always enjoy working with you. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And uh, with that, over to Brian. Alrighty. Well, thanks to all of our listeners, of course, and once again to Steve, Dee, and Bruce for all the insightful discussion we had on the show today. I want to remind you to join us next time, October 16th, when we'll talk about quality for success. And of course, don't forget to sign up for a free Reality Check Benchmark Report to see how your contact center compares to other in your industry. And you can do that right on our website, BenchmarkPortal.com. So until then, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day.